Baseball America just put out their preseason organizational top 30s. Who has the number one farm system in baseball? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. So Baseball America just put out their preseason organizational talent rankings. They take all 30 teams and they rank the farm systems 1 through 30 by... Uh, ceilings of the top prospects by the amount of depth they have at each position, you know, how good they are at, at, at improving the talent in the system. A lot of different criteria go into this. The number one farm system in baseball, according to Baseball America, is the Baltimore Orioles. And if you think this through, it kind of makes sense, right? It's something where you have the number one overall prospect consensus across everybody in Gunnar Henderson you have one of the, if not the top, right-hand pitching prospect. It's back and forth between Grayson Rodriguez and Andrew Painter. Uh, And then just a lot, like an abundance of players, both in the infield, specifically guys who can play or are shortstops, Jackson Holiday, Jordan Westbrook, Joey Ortiz, multiple guys in your top 10, as well as a bunch of outfielders. Colton Kowser's in your top five. Uh, Kyle Stowers in your top 10. You've got Dylan Beavers. You've got Heston Kierstad, Judd Fabian. Your top 15 are all, for the most part, are all guys that you could see working out at the big league level. And so the, the floor of this system is a lot higher than a lot of other places. And then the ceiling with guys like a Gunnar Henderson, a Grayson Rodriguez, a Jackson Holiday as well. Guys that could be some of the best options at their positions in MLB if they hit all the developmental milestones. Obviously, easier said than done. Number two to Baseball America, the Arizona Diamondbacks. I like the distribution of talent in this system, right? Looking at the top four, very, very impressive, right? Corbin Carroll, the outfielder, candidate for Rookie of the Year, probably the favorite as of right now. Gabriel Moreno, who... Technically, I don't think is a prospect, but it's still included in the list because Baseball America's definition is a little bit different. Shortstop Jordan Lawler uh, looks like one of the better shortstops in the minors. And then outfielder Drew Jones just recently drafted, but incredibly incredibly promising both from a skills perspective as well as a if he's 85% of what his father was, he'll be one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. And then to go along with that, you have multiple upper-level pitchers who have had different levels of success in brief glimpses of time in the major leagues. Brandon Fott, Ryan Nelson, Dre Dre Jameson. So a lot of good depth for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I really like the potential of this farm system to create the next competitive Arizona Diamondbacks uh, team at the major league level within the next couple years. Number three, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, It's just, this is, I believe, like the last five years they've been in the top 10 the entire time. 
Uh, incredibly good. They're very good at drafting. They're very good at developing. They're very good at scouting. It's hard to find places where they, they are not good when it comes to talent acquisition. Number four, Cleveland Guardians. Another system where they have a lot of upper-level uh, position player prospects, especially in the middle infield. They've got some really good some really good pitchers, although Daniel Espino is currently hurt. And so they're already an incredibly young team at the major league level. Uh, that is going they are going to get even younger. Baseball America mentions that in the write-up simply because they have so many prospects like a Bo Naylor, uh, Gabriel Arias, Will Brennan, things like that, that they're gonna move up. Number five, a team we'll get to a little bit more in the second segment, the New York Mets. Uh Back in 2020, they were 25th on this exact same list, and now they are top five. They've done a really good job of acquiring talent. Again, we'll dig into more than that in the second segment when we kind of look at some of these and why they are where they are. Number six is Tampa Bay, a system that perennially is a top five team. Step backs a little bit. I think some of that is Shane Boz is hurt. They have moved some guys out of the system. They promoted a guy like Wander Franco, obviously. So still a very good system, still top 10, definitely. Washington Nationals, number seven, another team we're going to dive into. It's kind of easy to see, uh, or at least to have a pretty easy explanation for why they're now a top 10 system. I think there's more to it than just the Juan Soto trade, but we'll dig into that in the second segment. Number eight, the Cincinnati Reds had been one of the worst in baseball just three years ago, back in 2020. Another organization, there's some common explanations and easy explanations here. Dig into that in the second segment. Uh, Number nine, the St. Louis Cardinals. They're never number one, but they're never in the bottom third of the the league either. They're just consistently good. Uh, They they get contributing major leaguers just about every single year they're churning out of this farm system. It's something where they've really, they're one of the teams, so... The Guardians are very good at taking college pitchers uh, and proving their velocity and using their already good control to make them into effective major leaguers. The Cardinals are another organization that are good at taking a college pitcher that can throw strikes and uh, making them into good major leaguers. Boston Red Sox at number 10, another system that was bad somewhat recently. They were Considered to be one of the worst in baseball by Baseball America in as recently as 2019. They were number 30. Uh, they are another team that has improved significantly. The Pirates, number 11. Uh, they are picking first, number one overall this year, just like they did in 2021. And then 2022, they had a top five pick. So you're going to see them probably rise in these rankings because they're not graduating a ton of these prospects. And... They, if they trade Brian Reynolds, we talked about this on Monday's show, there's a potential there to bring in some more talent in the system and bring them up in the rankings. Number 12, the Texas Rangers. Uh, number 13, the Milwaukee Brewers. 14 is the Colorado Rockies. Uh, all teams that have been lower than that in the past. Rangers were in the 20s in 2021. Brewers were in the 20s last year. Rockies were in the 20s last year. Uh, Brewers, specifically, a lot of high-level guys. The Rangers have a lot of infield prospects and a lot of arms. Uh, The Rockies, they grew Ezekiel Tovar into one of the top 25 prospects in baseball or so. 
and they have a lot of international signings that are working out in the minors so far for the Rockies. 15 through 20, the Yankees are at 15, the Cubs are at 16, Blue Jays 17, Giants at 18, Philadelphia Phillies at 19, Miami Marlins at 20. Those last two we're going to get to in the third segment. Some interesting notes about some of the strengths and where things are in the Phillies and in the Marlins systems. Rounding out the back half, uh, the the last third of organizations in baseball on Baseball America's talent rankings, number 21 is the Minnesota Twins. Very top of this system is position player prospects. And then after that, you have a lot of pitching, uh, but it's riskier pitching. Guys like a Connor Prelip recovering from Tommy John, things like that. Number 22, Seattle Mariners. They were number one last year, but they graduated George Kirby and Julio Rodriguez. They've moved a bunch of guys out of the system in trades. Edwin Arroyo, Noemi Marte, things like that. You do have some higher level pitchers that can impact the major league team soon, but position player-wise, they're all in the lower minors. It's going to take a little bit longer for them to impact the team. 23, a lot of people are going to be surprised they're not lower, the San Diego Padres. Uh, they do they do have a lot of young teenage p- uh, pitching prospects, and I think the risk with that is so severe that it's they're at 23. It almost feels like they should be lower because that's the riskiest profile, right? A prep, a prep pitcher, but they're 23. Oakland A's are at 24, and this is something where they've traded a ton of guys away, right? They've traded, and the write-up mentions this, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, Sean Murphy, Frankie Montes, Chris Bassett, Sean Manea. Those are all in the last year and a half. But as we've talked about on this show, every time there's one of these trades, it feels like the team trading with the Oakland A's is the team that wins the trade. The return they got for Sean Murphy, it was uh, the best player in that deal that was not Sean Murphy was William Contreras, and he went to the Brewers, not to the Oakland A's. So it's something where pitchers haven't necessarily gotten better in this system. They haven't really won a lot of these trades. They've been quantity over quality trades. And then not a ton of hitters coming out of the draft. And so that's why, despite all of the movement, they're still in the bottom half or the bottom third of the talent rankings. Number 25 is the Astros. They've lost some picks. Uh, They've graduated some guys. Still have a couple guys coming up. Obviously, Hunter Brown is a prospect who we're really high on this year. You've got a couple catchers and Yanni Diaz and Corey Lee, things like that. Number 26, Los Angeles Angels. They were towards the very, very bottom. They went out, they got Logan O'Hoppy. They've developed Edgar Cuero to give them two catchers back when they, for the longest time, haven't really been able to develop any of them. Went out, drafted well with Zach Neto, and then that 2021 draft with nothing but pitchers. You've seen uh, Chase Silseth, you've seen uh, Kai Bush, uh, Sam, Sam Bachman, a lot of arms in the system now and some of them have pretty good what what look to be pretty good ceilings number 27 the Detroit Tigers they graduated Spencer Torgelson and Riley Green and it's just a bunch of uh, a bunch of infielders with decent contact tools and questions about power and then pitching Uh, 28 Chicago White Sox uh, very very top heavy you got Colson Montgomery you got outfielder Oscar Colas both of these guys are uh, top 50 prospects. And then after that, it's just a bunch of like pitchers with upside. 
Uh, obviously, go back to yesterday's show. You can see, hear more about how we feel about some of these uh, Chicago White Sox prospects. Number 29, the Kansas City Royals. They graduated 10 players last year. So, of course, they're going to drop down. And so, a lot of this is you look at like what's holding this system up right now, and it's two players that they drafted last year at Highly, Gavin Cross and Caden Wallace, and then they traded for Drew Waters, who I think was like one game or one at-bat away from losing rookie eligibility, but because of the oblique strain, that's not going to come for a couple weeks into the 2023 season. And the very last is the Atlanta Braves. They have made trades to move guys out. They have promoted their young players, Michael Harris, Yvonne Grissoms. And so right now, the system is, for the most part, just a ton of arms. Now, thankfully, that is the best thing for the Braves as far as development goes because they are very, very good at developing pitchers. But right now, it's just a lot of uh, potential starting pitchers for the Atlanta Braves in that farm system and some scattered position players here or there. Definitely some more work that they have to get done. In just a minute, I want to talk about some of these teams that climbed in the rankings, the Mets, the Nationals, the Reds, and kind of talk about why. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Uh, this is America's number one sports book. Uh, no cu- new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. You can download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, safe, secure, super easy to use, and you can bet on all kind of stuff for not only games that are or teams that are sports that are in season right now, like the NBA, uh, college basketball coming up on the tournament, but you can bet on futures for baseball. So they have the usual who's going to win the World Series, who's going to win the division, who's going to win the pennant, things like that. And then they also have win total numbers up for every single major league team. They have player awards. We've talked about that on the show plenty. Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, MVP, and all of that. And then they have some, some player-specific specials and season-specific specials. So like regular season home run leader. You can go out and look at the board and see who is the regular season, who's favored to be the regular season home run leader. Aaron Judge, number one, followed by Kyle Schwarber, Mike Trout, Vlad Guerrero, Jordan Alvarez, Pete Alonso, Fernando Tatis, Shohei Otani, Austin Riley. That's everybody plus 2,000 or better but they've got a good 40, 50 names on this list. You can go out if you want to. Maybe you have faith in Francisco Lindor, plus 12,000 for Francisco Lindor to win the home run title next year. You can go out. Maybe you want to look at somebody who's prospected Jason. O'Neill Cruz, plus 13,000, you know, promoted last year. He's an option for that now. You can go in there. It's just it's just fantastic to dig through and see all of the uh, the odds there for who's going to lead the league in home runs. You can same thing for regular season strikeout leaders, or you can look for specials for the season. Who's going to have the best record in the regular season? Astros, Dodgers are the favorites, followed by Mets and Braves, and then Yankees and Padres. Don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook provider, of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so there's three teams that climbed this list pretty pretty significantly, and I want to kind of dig into why. Uh, the New York Mets climbed this list from, they were as low as 25th in 2020, they were 23rd in 2021, and now they are number five. 
And when you look at it, yes, they signed an international player and pitcher Cody Singa from NPB. Uh, Baseball America puts him in as prospects. I typically leave out those former Japanese or Korean professional baseball players. I typically leave them out of the prospect conversations, but technically they are eligible for all the Rookie of the Year awards and things like that. They're in this calculation. But you look at some guys, they've done a great job of acquiring talent. You have Senga, who they went out and signed. You have three of your top 10 that you got via international free agency. Francisco Alvarez, your number one prospect in your system. Uh, The catcher, who knocking on the doors of the major leagues, is an international, was an international free agent. Number five prospect, Alex Ramirez, was an international free agent as well. Uh, Number eight prospect, shortstop Ronnie Mauricio, infielder, left side of the infield, Ronnie Mauricio. Uh, was an international free agent. But a lot of this comes down to very good drafting. Six of your top 10 are guys that you've drafted in the last couple years uh, out of either high school or college and have become top 10 prospects for you. Brett Beatty, the third baseman, your number three overall prospect, uh, was a draft pick for you uh, back in 2019. Kevin Parada. Number four prospect was a pick in the most recent draft out of Georgia Tech. Shortstop Jet Williams was a prep draftee. You've got Mark Vientos, who we talked about on Monday. He was a draft pick as well. Uh, And then some pitchers. Blade Tidwell, Calvin Ziegler, both of these guys were recent draft picks as well. You've done a very good job of identifying the types of players that you can make better. And this kind of goes back to Steve Cohen has spent a ton of money in free agency, right? Like, that's the whole thing. They made it a new level of luxury tax penalties for him. But his goal is not to outspend everybody in free agency. His Like, what he wants to do is have a sustainable farm system that consistently is delivering impact talent to the bigs. And so, all of this free agent spending is a stopgap, while this farm system, which has improved to now top five, develops and starts churning out impact big leaguers. And I think you're about to see the first wave of that with an Alvarez, with a Beatty, with a Vientos. This is the first wave of those impact uh, those impact draftees or free agent signings, international free agent signings, impacting the major league roster. Do I think he'll always have the highest payroll in baseball? He'll probably be pretty close, but Do they want to outspend everybody by almost a factor of two? No. They want to develop guys via the draft, uh, via international free agency, and through the player development department, and they're doing a pretty good job of getting these guys up here. The number seven team is the Washington Nationals, and there is a, a common assumption that the Washington Nationals are only in the top 10 because they traded Juan Soto. And don't get me wrong, The Juan Soto trade was a big part of it. There was a lot of players involved in that deal, right? So uh, Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell, who was a valuable trade candidate in his own right, went to the Padres. And the return for that was three major leaguers. First baseman Luke Voigt, uh, who was the replacement for Eric Hosmer because Eric Hosmer uh, refused to waive his no-trade clause. Uh, Former top prospect Mackenzie Gore, the, uh, the the pitcher, former top prospect shortstop C.J. Abrams, who immediately became the starting shortstop in Washington just about, and then 
a bunch of your top prospects in this system. Outfielder James Wood, your number one prospect. Outfielder Robert Hassel, your number two prospect. Uh, Jarlin Susana, uh, 18-year-old complex league pitcher who is a top 10 prospect. To go along with that, you have some high draft picks and international free agents. Christian Vaccaro was the number one overall player in that international free agency class. He's your number six prospect. And then you have a bunch of guys who you took uh, in the first round. Elijah Green, fifth overall pick in 2022. Uh, shortstop slash third baseman Brady House, uh, 11th overall pick in 2021. And then when you were in the times they were in the back half of the first round, 2019-2020, you got some promising pitchers in Jackson Rutledge and Cade Cavalli. Cade Cavalli is going to be up this year, provided he's healthy, probably starting the entire year in Washington and learning on the job. So a great way of, of not only capitalizing on trading a, a fantastic asset in Juan Soto, but also uh, hitting on your high draft picks, and it looks like you're international free agents so far. The third team is really noteworthy here. I want to make sure that we, we mention is the Cincinnati Reds because they've done such a great job at acquiring guys via trades and hitting on international free agents. Like Ellie De La Cruz, number one prospect in the system, one of the best, most talented players in all of minor league baseball, international free agent for incredibly cheap. I think he was like 50 grand. Uh, you have some guys you've taken in the draft, Chase Petty, Cam Collier, but then you have made 19 trades since spring training last year. You got Chase Petty from the Twins in the Sunny Gray trade uh, last spring training. You traded Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez, and you got Justin Dunn, Jake Fraley, Connor Phillips, Brandon Williamson. Uh, you know, you've made minor league trades as well, but you also, you shipped Luis Castillo out to the Mariners. And in that trade, you got multiple guys who were in your top 10 or 15. You got Noel V. Marte. You got Edwin Arroyo. You went out and got two shortstops as well as some pitchers, Andrew Moore, Levi Stout. You traded Brandon Drury away for shortstop Victor Acosta. You traded Tyler Molly away. This was my favorite trade of all of them, to the Twins. And for him, at the deadline, you got Spencer Steer, should be your starting third baseman this year. You got Christian Encarnacion Strand, probably your heir apparent to Joey Votto at first base. And if Votto's not ready to start this year, it may be as soon as this year, he may be the first baseman. And then pitcher Steven Hadger. Like, you've... You've just shipped out a lot of, pretty much anything that wasn't nailed down, you shipped out. But seven of your top 10 now are trade acquisitions. So it's a great job of building your major league, uh, building your minor league system through getting rid of guys. If you're going to tear it down, Oakland, at least get good prospects back versus just getting a bunch of guys. In just a minute, I want to get to some systems that are notable for pitching, but maybe for different reasons right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. And we are back. So when we look at some of the systems that I that I noticed are very strong in pitching, there's three I want to highlight because they're all good for different reasons. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers are at number three. I mentioned they have a ton of stuff here. What it is, it's a combination of both position players and pitchers, and it's both quality and quantity. So looking at like the top 15 for the Dodgers, according to Baseball America, is in your top 10, you have four pitchers. You have Bobby Miller, 
You have Ryan Pepio, you have Gavin Stone, you have Nick Nestrini. All uh, very high ceiling pitchers. Bobby Miller could, I mean, could be a number two pitcher in MLB when it's all said and done. And then in the top 15, you have guys like Lefty Ronan Kopp, you have righty Emmett Sheehan, Nick Frosso, and then behind them, you've got some more promising guys, Maddox Bruns, uh, Michael Grove, a lot of, a lot of arms. You have both quantity and quality for the Dodgers. And then obviously the reason that they are so high is because your position players, catcher Diego Cartaya, uh, infielder Miguel Vargas, second baseman Michael Bush, outfielder Andy Pajes, and James Outman, like you're just, your top 10 are all fantastic guys who are going to be able to contribute at a major league level. And part of the reason that you have so many high-level guys is because your big league roster is so good, it's hard for these guys to break the roster. You also don't have to rush them up because you have quality players like a Mookie Betts or a Freddie Freeman. You go out and you trade for guys like a Trey Turner at the major league level. Uh, now, you, you might see some of these guys get moved for a shortstop if the Miguel Rojas experiment doesn't necessarily work out for a competitive team in the Dodgers. But either way, fantastic system. Contrast to that, two other systems that are hot, that are uh, highly rated for pitching but have some flaws to me, the Phillies and the Marlins. The Phillies are at number 19. And the two big flaws that I see when it comes to the pitching depth that Baseball America talks about in these systems is for the Phillies, there's two things. One, they are very top-heavy. Your top three pitchers, or your top three prospects are all pitchers. Andrew Painter, Mick Abel, Griff McGarry. Yes, we love Andrew Painter. Yes, we are patiently waiting to find out what is wrong with Andrew Painter's elbow. Uh, Mick Abel, Griff McGarry. I think I think it was McGarry got roughed up a little bit in spring training last week. Uh, they're going to be fine. They're going to be good big leaguers for you. You don't have to rush them because you have plenty of options at the big league level right now. But after that, a lot of your pitchers, you have, I think Baseball America has them has having four or five more guys between number four and number 20. And the big glaring thing to me is there's not a single top 30 prospect in this Philly system that's a left-handed pitcher. They struggle developing and getting left-handed pitchers to the bigs. And so that's a glaring weakness of mine right now. I think having them at 19 makes a lot of sense because of the ceiling of those top three, specifically an Andrew Painter. But I understand why they're not higher because they are very top-heavy and they just don't have any left-handed pitching to speak of as far as noteworthy prospects in the system. Number 20 for Miami, and they they point this out in the Baseball America write-up, high on pitching, but a lot of these pitchers, you're counting on them to come back from injury to actually work out. So Yuri Perez is the number one. No concerns about Yuri Perez. He is fantastic. He, he strained a lap muscle last year, missed a little bit of time. That's not the type of thing, as long as it heals correctly, that typically recurs. We're not putting an injury-prone label on Yuri Perez. Uh, but after him, Max Meyer, the number two, made it up to the bigs last year. Uh, I thought he looked pretty decent, had Tommy John, right? So is out for all of 2023, and he'll be around sometime in 2024 is when you'll finally see him get back on a mound. I don't think you'll see him back at the big league level until something like 2025. Just probably because of the, the rehab, or late in 2024, because of the amount of rehab it takes to get back, not only to game shape, but to your previous form before injury. To go along with that, 
Sixto Sanchez is in your top five who has not pitched in two years because he's had multiple shoulder surgeries. Like, he was he was a playoff starter for the Marlins in 2020. He started game three of the NLDS. And then from there, uh, he had surgery for a, like a, a tear in the shoulder. He rehabbed in 2022. And then he had another surgery after the season then. And so, like right now, we're in 2023 spring training. He last appeared in a game in 2020 in the playoffs. And he's still not cleared for game activity right now. He's just throwing bullpens. He has lost about 45 pounds, supposedly. So it's going to be there's going to be plenty of those best shape of his life articles. But he's just not quite ready to go yet. And then Jake Eater had Tommy John in 2021. He's in your top 10. So another guy where there's a health questions about, and then obviously, how does he come back from TJ? We talk about. TJ happens all the time, but it's not an exact science. Not everybody comes back to the same form that they did before. He's a non-roster invitee to spring training. I think he's still th- just throwing bullpens. I don't think he's appeared in a game in spring training yet. It's something where it's it's the long-term rotation outlook for the Marlins counts on three guys that have either missed significant time or are going to miss significant time because of injury. So they're at number 20 in these rankings. And it kind of makes sense because you can't assume automatically that you'll get all three of these guys back to the same form they were before the injury. Fantastic week this week. Remember, if you have questions for the mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. So it's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com or drop your questions in the Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. Link is in the episode description. Link is in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects.